So, the third, the third uh, source on the first side of the page is the Mishnah Masechet Avot Perikei Mishnah Gimel, right? Perikei Avot. Now that Mishnah says, in a summarizing manner, Asaradis Niyonotnit Asa Avraham Avinu. Avraham Avinu had ten tests. He was tested ten times by Kodesh Baruch Hu. Allah v'shalom. Ramad b'kulam. And Abraham Avinu passed all the tests. He was successful in all of these tests. Lodia kamachibato shal Avraham Avinu Allah v'shalom. So of course there's a question about why God would want to test Avraham Avinu. It would seem that uh, probably God would know the result ahead of time. I mean, it's not like a test in school, where sometimes there are surprises. With HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Avram Avinu, there wouldn't be a test, there wouldn't be a surprise. So if God tests Avram Avinu and he passes the test, that should be very uh, non-remarkable. I mean, what difference does it make to us if Avram Avinu passed the test? We knew he was going to pass the test. Uh, he was a man of profound faith. So that the word Nisayon is not clear. So the Mishnah seems to answer this question that I'm asking by saying, Kamachibato shall Avram Avinu. Now sometimes there's an interest in showing it. I mean, you know that Avram Avinu has this profound understanding of his relationship with God. And that that relationship is Chiba. That word Chiba that is used very often by Chazal. Uh, so often that it's hard to define, hard for us to define. We tend to always define it in the way we use it today, chiba. But you could have chiba to animate things and inanimate things. I mean, it's kind of hard to understand what Chazal meant. So Avram Avinu is put in the, to the test in order that Avram Avinu should be able to express his love for God. God hadn't tested him, so he wouldn't. So everything would have been regular. But the test, he was able to. It's true, our God knew that uh, it would work out. <coughs> nevertheless, nevertheless, doing the test has some kind of meaningfulness beyond whether we knew he would pass the test or not. Now, this idea that there were ten tests—it's a little hard to find the ten tests. They're not, um, they're not all written in the Torah. And the ones that are sort of alluded to in the Torah are not clearly stated. But it's important to know that these, this idea of the ten tests is found in a Midrash called the Pirkei de Rabbi Eliezer. It's a long Midrash which deals with a lot of the issues of Jewish history, of the early times of Jewish history, and fills in a lot of spaces. So it tells us about Avram Avinu, things that are not written in the Torah. Now the third of these tests, the third of these tests, if you look at the top of the page, I mean according to a certain kind of counting, but that doesn't matter, was Vahira Avba'aretz. Avram Avinu listens to God's command. <coughs> Avram Avinu goes to Eretz Israel without knowing what the result will be, out of love for God, he just does whatever God tells him to do. Even though you know that there's a bit of a problem here that Abraham Avinu was going with his father to Eretz Canaan before 
God told him to go to Eretz Canaan. So that's uh, something also worth thinking about. But after Abraham gets to Eretz Canaan and travels around and gets to Shechem, the Pasuk says, Vayhira av ba'aretz. There was no food. Vayhira av ba'aretz. And Rashi says, Bota Eretz Levada. That it was a miraculous kind of ra'av. Because Eretz Yisrael is not very big. And you would think that if there was a ra'av, it was a famine in Eretz Yisrael, there would be a famine in neighboring countries as well. In fact, according to Rashi, there was a ra'av, a famine, only in Eretz Yisrael. So if there was a famine only in Eretz Yisrael, if there was a famine only in Eretz Yisrael, <coughs> then Avram Avinu should have known that it was a, certainly a divine-induced famine. I mean, even though you could argue that everything comes from God, but some things are more obviously coming from God. And if the famine in Eretz Yisrael came from God, and if God told Avram Avinu to go to Eretz Yisrael, and that it would belong to him, then uh, perhaps a reasonable conclusion would be that Avraham shouldn't go anywhere. I mean, okay, there's a Ra'am virus, so, so what? I mean, this is all a divinely engineered enterprise. I mean, it's God who's in charge here. So if God brings the famine, it doesn't make sense to say that God wants Avraham to die. I mean, that doesn't make sense, certainly not to me. So one would think, one would expect that the reaction of Avinu to the divinely induced famine would be just to stay put and to say, God told me to come. It's not as though he went there on his own. It's not as though he was in Ur Kasdim. It's not as though he was in Haran, where, you know, who knows what could happen and why it would happen. Here, Avinu specifically is listening <coughs> to God's directive which is, go to Eretz Yisrael. So there's a Rav, so what? I mean, what, why, why does that, uh, why should that even interest Avram Avinu? I mean, of course, it's an annoyance. But it should not uh, uh, motivate him to leave. And yet, what does the Pasuk say? Vayered Avraham Mitzrayma Lagur Sham. This sounds almost like an accusation against Avram Avinu. Vayered Lagur. What is Lagur? It sounds like permanent. It's like, like Avram Avinu came to Eretz Yisrael and he said, look, I did what God told me to do. And look at the mess that God got me into. Let me go someplace where you can get, at least you can get lunch. Let me go to Eretz Eretz Mitzray. That's Avram Avinu. <coughs> okay, that's the story, the first part of the story. What does Rashi say? Rashi said, Lenasoto. Rashi said, Lenasoto. In other words, this is one of the ten Nisyonot. Usually, when they counted, the first Nisayon was the Kifshan Ha'esh, right, in Ur Kastim. The second Nisayon was Lech Lecha. And the third Nisayon 
is Vayhira Av Ba'aretz. So Rashi just said, Now what exactly was the Nisayon here? What was the test? And how do you pass the test? How could Avravidu pass the test? <coughs> so, this is not in the Mishnah in Pirkei Avot. This is represented to some extent in the Pirkei Deravalosa. And Rashi has his own take on it. Like, what was the test? If you're in a place, and, and, there's, and, and there's no food, and there's another place a couple of hundred miles away where there is food, and you leave the place where there's no food, you go to the place where there is food, so what exactly has been tested here? I mean, any reasonable person would do that. What if we could be, we could talk about Abram Avinu, we're proud, that Abram Avinu left Eretz Israel to go to Betrayim so he could get lunch? I never heard anybody say that. I mean, no one ever told me that in, uh, when I was a little kid. Because, you know, when you're when little children are the ones who are supposed to understand about things like that. Like, who was Abram Avinu? <coughs> so Rashi says, so what was the test? The test was, and this is a Rashi theme that Rashi has in the parish of Lechlecha Vayero, it talks about Avram Avinu, that Avram Avinu was the father of Bitochon. Not Bitochon. That's we have... Uh, Ayud Barak, that's his name, he's by Bitachon. Avram Avinu was a charge of Bitachon. And Bitachon means, this is what Avram Avinu uh, taught us, <coughs> that as I've mentioned before, that the reality doesn't affect the promise. God promised Avram Avinu that Eretz Yisrael would belong to him. And now suddenly he can't stay there. It, it just doesn't work out. He has to go to Mitzrayim. So the test was, according to Rashi, to see if Avram Avinu's faith in the promise would lapse. If Avram Avinu would say, maybe I didn't hear it right. Maybe God didn't mean now. Maybe he didn't mean definitely Maybe it was some kind of condition that I didn't hear. <coughs> Rashi says, Avram Avinu, lo hear her achrei dvarav Not for a moment. While he was going to Mitzrayim, did he feel that Eretz Yisrael was not his? Avram Avinu said, look, I'm boss of Adam, I have to eat. I can't always be where I'm supposed to be. And I can't always do the way I'm supposed to do it, but I have absolute confidence that Eretz Yisrael is mine. That was the test, and Abraham Avinu passed the test. That's the Rashi understanding. <coughs> but, now that we understand how Rashi understands the, 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 the story, let us see first how the Mephorshim of Pirkei Avot understand the story. <coughs> this cough will be gone on Purim. <laughs>
So you don't have to feel badly about it. It will be gone on Purim. No, oh, it's, it's, the coffee's in here. It's not really here, it just doesn't here. <coughs> now, the Rashi, there's a parish of Rashi to the Mishnayot and Avot, which today I think most scholars think really is Rashi. There was always some kind of debate about whether it's real Rashi or not real Rashi. Let's say it's real Rashi. Okay? It says Rashi in the book. On top it says Rashi. So the Peyush Rashi says, Eser Nisnayonot Nitnasa Avra. This is a very interesting Rashi. Eser Nisnayonot Nitnasa Avra Mavino. Avra is tested ten times. Before Rashim, the Pirke Rabbeloza, it's in this medrash called Pirke the Rabbeloza, which I told you. The Kulam Yistam Rabbi Shimon Hagadol Bakrovets. Imrat Hashem Truva Krovetz is a certain kind of piyut. Maybe if there's some yekis here who uh, are devoted to the yekka form of davening, they know what Krovetz is. We Litvaks who, who, uh, who can't stay in shul that long, we skip all that stuff. So Krovetz is when you, before Shmon Esrei, there are piyutim that uh, are part of the davening according to certain sidurim. I mean, as I said, you know, modern people haven't got time for that. So it, there's a Krovitz that was written for, by Rabbi Shimon Hagodol, who is a great author of Piyutim. And the Piyut is called Imrat Hashem Shufa. The words of God are, are pure. And we say it on Shachrit of the second day of Rosh Hashanah. I mean, we don't say it. But if we would say it, we would say it on the second day of Rosh Hashanah. And uh, so he says, so, so in that, in that, uh, in Pirkei the Rav and in this Krovitz, there's a list of the Chilov, B'Kesh Nimrod Lahargo, the first test was Nimrod to try to kill Avram Avinu. He hid out 13 years. So it just says, all Rashi says is that there was a famine. It was another test, but he doesn't explain what the test was. That he does in his prayers on Chumash. If you turn over there to the other side, you see, uh, the second source is Rabbeinu Yonah. <coughs> Rabbeinu Yonah also wrote a commentary on Pirkei Avot. So Rabbeinu Yonah says, Vayira Ba'aretz. Ashlishi, Vayira Ba'aretz. Abba Bish Hashem Yitalev Tichov Amalo Nivrchu Bechak Kol Bishpachot Adama Kshevi Ara'av Lo Yihir Achrei Midotav. So here the Rabbeinu Yonah explains that even though HaKadosh Baruch said to Abba Vida, you're going to go to Eretz Yisrael and everybody will be blessed. Because you are there. He came to Eretz Yisrael and everybody went into a famine. I mean, it was the, t- the worst thing that ever happened in Eretz Yisrael. Lo <laughs> believed that the promise HaKadosh Baruch gave him that everybody would be blessed by Avraham Avinu, that that promise would be kept. Lo The third commentary is the Rambam. That's the first on this page. First on the second page. 
He talks about the Eser Nisio note. He says, are you shown the middle of the first line? Hagerut v'hua maroyit alelo lech lecha mi'artzecha mi'moladetecha. That's called, the Rabman calls it Geyur. Like the, the Abba Avinu had to change himself. He had to become a new, start a new thing. He was no longer the son of his father. Which is a separate story. Those of you who remember the end of the parish of Noach, Terach disappears from the story. That's what the Pesach says. But he didn't. He didn't really die then. He died later. But as far as Abraham Avinu was concerned, he died then. But HaKadosh Baruch said to Abraham Avinu, Lech Lecha, his father died. And that the Rabbim calls Geirut. He converted. He converted to be Abraham Avinu. Can't say he converted to be a Jew, but he converted to be Abraham Avinu. So that Asheni Hara'av, according to the Kandi, the Rabbim is the second. So that basically everybody agrees that Vahira Abbaaret is a Nisayon. And the Nisayon has something to do with the promise. Is does my faith in the promise, is my faith in the promise weaken? Look, this is a problem that Jews have had throughout their entire history. I mean, Jews have spent most of the history in the diaspora. And they had to decide whether Eretz Israel belonged to them or not. And the ongoing decision of the Jewish people was that Eretz Israel belongs to us, even though we may be found in Madagascar. It didn't make any difference to us. Like history, the reality of the time was irrelevant. Eretz Israel was ours. Why was it ours? Because God gave it to us. Ah, if you go and say that to some other person, to a non-Jew, they don't know what you're talking about. Didn't matter. Didn't matter to the Jewish people. <coughs> okay, so that's the end of the first story of Ahira al But there's also a second story. There's a second story of Ahira al And that second story, go back to the first page. Pasuk Aleph. Vayihi, kashe ekriv levov, so Abraham Avinu is on his way to Mitzrayim. But in his heart, he believes that Eretz Yisrael belongs to him. So he's great. He's going for lunch. He's keeping Eretz Yisrael. He's a righteous person. Everything is wonderful. That's story number two. Story number two, Pasuk Yudalem. Vayihi, kashe ekriv levov, Mitzrayim, going to lunch is not without danger. I mean, you know, it's a problem, especially if you want to go to lunch with your wife. I mean, he could have said, uh, you know, why did you stay home in Eretz Canaan? And, and who knows what, you know, just take care of things. Watch the chickens until, uh, until I come back from lunch. He said, no, he came. He went with her. <laughs> and he said, you are now an ever-present danger. And we've got to do something. Imrina, pasuk yud gibla chotiat, 
So you could change this situation by saying you're my sister, which has you know, been a kind of a crux for many, many years, thousands of years. This crux was solved by a Jew whose name was Spicer, Professor Spicer, University of Pennsylvania, solved the question of why it's better that Sora should be his sister than being his wife. In other words, if Avramavina was afraid that because they would want to capture her, they want to they want to take her, so they'll kill him, right? So what difference does it make to them if Avramavina says she's my wife or Avramavina says she's my sister? In, any, in either case, he's kind of unnecessary. I would say. So this is like a problem. What does it say in the Chumash? Now this story, this story got something to do with the other story of Ahira Abbaaretz. Is there a connection? So there's a Ramban. There's a Ramban. Now this Ramban, you have the whole Ramban here on the page. If you take the page over, you learn this Ramban on Shabbos and you get it done before you go to sleep, it'll be worthwhile. But I only want to learn with you now the end of the Ramban. And this page is five lines from the bottom. Five lines from the bottom starts with the word Veda. You see that word? There's a colon. And then the word Veda. So the Ramban says, I wanted you to know something. I want to tell you something. Uh, uh, this something that the Ramban is going to tell us is something that has made people nervous for the last thousand years. So that's pretty good. You know, if the Ramban could do that in just in two sentences. Look what the Ramban says. He says, Daki The combination of words is not a combination that we would ordinarily use. Because a chait is a chait. And a chait gadol is worse than a chait. And shkaga is not so bad. So all these words don't go together. But the Ramban says this, that when Avram Avinu, while Avram Avinu is trying to prove himself and pass the test that HaKadosh Baruch has placed before him, who was first HaKadosh Baruch said, Nimrod, jump into the fire, don't worry. Then he said, Lech Lecha, don't worry. It'll be fine. I'll never tell you where you're going. Just go. When it came to Vahira Avaretz, the Rabban says that Avram Avinu Chata That in the midst of proving his righteousness, his Ne'emanut, his dependency on the promise that God made about Eretz Yisrael in the midst of this, right in the middle, <coughs> he did a terrible thing. What was the terrible thing that he did? Shevi ishto hatzadeket. Sorry, man. After all, he took his righteous wife and he put her in a michshol avol. He put her in a position where she might have been part of a terrible story. Was he sort of Rav Avraham Ravidu's kind of says to her, look, 
We can't protect ourselves from these mad Egyptians. I mean, if they want you, I mean, they're going to take you. Let's just figure out a way they can get you without killing me. That was what Avram Avinu said. And what the Ramban calls Choto Chet Gadol Bishkaga. Bipnei Pachto Ken Yehargu. I know this is a kind of a mild defense, like the Ramban, like he's saying, okay, the Ramban was willing to give up his wife. I mean, the Abba was willing to give up his wife. But it was Pikuch Nefesh. It was either that or he'd be dead. I don't know if that sounds good or not to you. But the Ramban is very critical of Avram Avinu at this point. Here's the Ramban. These words mean that Avram Avinu, knowing the danger, should have had placed his faith in God. He should have said to Sarah, listen, you know, we're going into a serious situation, but don't worry. God will protect us. Why are we going to Mitzrayim? Because God wants us to go to Mitzrayim. Who brought the Ra'av, the famine, into Eretz Canaan, if not a Kodesh Baruch Vayalo liftoch b'ashem sh'yatzil otov et ishtov et kol asher lo ki yesh belokim koch la'azor o la'atzir. So that's what, that's called Bitochon. I mean, you have, you do the right thing, it's going to turn out right. I mean, how can you think that if you do the right thing, it's going to turn out wrong? Gam Yitziato min ha'aretz, shenitztav ve'alev betchilav v'nei ra'av avon ha'zerchata. And then the Ramban goes on and he says, not only that, but this was an unsuccessful nisayon on the part of Avram Avinu. Because not only did he mess up with, with Sarah, but why did he leave Eretz Yisrael? Just like he should have depended on HaKadosh Baruch to protect him and Sarah from the Egyptians. So he should have depended on, on HaKadosh Baruch to protect him and Eretz Canaan from the wrath. So what's going on, the Ramban says, what's Avravina doing? This is not only, not a successful test. Avravina <coughs> failed. V'alama says, Zen ikzal zaro agalut ba'eret mitzrayim b'yad par'o. B'mkoma mishpat, shama ha'resha v'achet. And the Ramban really drives it home, like with an ice pick into your stomach and he says and you know you know what happened because of this the first galut the first exile of Am Yisrael was to Egypt Yaakov Avinu his children his grandchildren the hundreds of years that they spent there as slaves that's all because of this misstep by Avram Avinu <coughs> so there you have it it's very hard to say that the Ramban was unaware of the Mishnah in Pirkei Avot. That would take a remarkable feat of casuistry. It's very hard to say that the Ramban did not see Rashi's comments here on this Pasuk. And in spite of that, 
without blinking an eye, without even defending for a moment the Avram Avinu position, Ramban says, if it was a test, it was a failure. And therefore we've received like the tradition of understanding of Vahira of Ba'aretz is that Avram Avinu is the greatest of the greatest. The Rambam says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu called Avram Avinu O'Avi, my beloved. Vahira Av Ba'aretz is a proof of that. And another tradition of interpretation says, Avram Avinu messed up on this one. We should have never left Eretz Yisrael. We should have never gotten into trouble with Sarah. We should have never asked Sarah to protect him. <coughs> from the Egyptians. Now, if you turn the page, you see there a longer source. It says, Likuti halachos l'rabnosom l'braslov on the web yeshiva. You know the web yeshiva? For Monday mornings at 9 o'clock, I teach a shir in rabnosom. Uh, I, I realize that there might still be some honest people who work for a living and at 9 o'clock on Monday morning is, uh, but I get all the deadbeats you know all the people have nothing to do it's like uh, unemployment insurance you can go to my shear so Rav Nassim and Nemerav I told you what so Rav Nassim was the Talmud of Rav Nachman he was the outstanding Talmud of Rav Nachman of Bratzlip, who wrote down or wrote up all of the lectures of Rav Nachman, which today are collected in uh, two books called Likuti Maharan. But he also wrote his own work, which is uh, nine or ten, printed today in nine or ten volumes, which is a kind of an integration between the Shulchan Aruch and Rav Nachman of Bratzlav. It's a little hard to believe, but, but somehow he does it. So in this Torah, which is found in Hilchos Nefilos Apayim, it's the Halachas of, of Tachnun. Right? The Halachas of Tachnun. <coughs> he has this to say. Now I want you to listen carefully because first of all, I think what Rav Dazen says is good and the second is I think he, he helps us to understand the Torah as we have re- as the, the interpretation of the Torah as we have received it this is Rav Nachman I'm starting Zebuchinas he says he says uh, the Zebuchinas doesn't matter Lech Lecha Me'artzicha El Ha'artzicha now this Pesach I didn't put on the sheet but you should remember it's the first Pesach in our parasha Lech Lecha to Avram Avinu right El Ha'artzicha now, El Ha'aretz Asher Echo, where is that? We don't know. We don't know. Akkadish Mohan said to Abravir, go. Where? Abravir said, I'll tell you where. Just, you just go. It was like that, uh, what do they call it? The GPS? <laughs> like, then, so Abravir went, and, and in his ear it said, go left, go right, stop. You know, it was like, uh, that, but he didn't know where he was going. Somebody else programmed it, and he went along. So Avravida says, Pirish Rashi. Now this is Rab Nosan, quotes Rashi. Logi lo lo ha'aretz viat. Gedei lechavavu ve'inavu litein lo schar. 
He says he wanted Avraham to feel good about where he was going. So he didn't tell him, you're going to a good place. It's going to be great. It's a surprise. Right? And this is Rashi. Rashi himself says, this is all quotes of Rashi. <coughs> who said to Avraham go and sacrifice your son. He said, Al Echad Harim, Asher Omare Didn't tell him exactly where it was. It's two cases. And the third case, Vechein Kara Alehatakriya. Remember when Akarishvah told Yona to go to Ninveh the second time in Perik Gimel, not in Perik Aleph. HaKadosh said to Yona, and now you go to Ninveh, now that you see you can't run away from me, and you'll speak to them, or you'll speak out. Et ha-kriya. I'll tell you what to say. So there are three cases. Avram vinu lech lecha. Avram vinu alechad harim. Heharim. Akedat Yitzchak. And the third case is, <coughs> is Yonah. The third case is Yonah. You'll tell them. What will you tell them? I'll tell you then. I'll tell you then. It's not in Rashi. This is Rashi. Uh, I'm not sure you're right, but this is Rashi. <coughs> <coughs> Okay. Now, this is all connected to something that he quoted above. <coughs> Listen to this. The great righteous ones. I mean, he's talking about, of course, the Rabbanim of Chassidut, who are, who are known as Tzadikim. Not because, it's like, you know, they're like young mothers. The young mothers always call their babies tzaddik. And it's not like that. <laughs> when the young mothers call their babies tzaddik, they mean, this is your last chance. <laughs> when the Nazan calls the Hasidish your babies tzaddik, he really means that they, that they weathered the storm. <coughs> Every person who's trying to produce a truth, who's trying to say something authentic in the Torah, goes through a process that includes confusion and doubt. Says it's not true that people who have something to say just got up one morning and said, but they work very hard to get to the conclusion that they're able to reach, and that work that they do is to overcome confusion, to overcome confusion and doubt. Commotion of Arsha, now. You know why God didn't show, tell Avram Avinu where he was going? In order that Avram Avinu should be forced to try to understand 
why the land is part of the agreement. Why couldn't Avram Avinu be Avram Avinu in Haran? Why couldn't he be Avram Avinu someplace else in the world? Why did he have to go to a place that God promised and gave to him? So that if Avram Avinu had known where the place was, so he'd be thinking all the time, how do I get there? What's the shortest route? What's the, you know, uh, I have to write to the AAA and get the, the trip ticket, get to Eretz Israel. But since he didn't know where he was going, he was able to think about why he should be going at all. And why HaKadosh Baruch Hu insisted that to be Avram Avinu, you had to be in a place. We call that place Eretz Israel. Why did you need a place? <coughs> and the word Nisayon, when it's applied to Avram Avinu, does not mean, will he do it? Will he jump into the cage with the lions or the fire? That's not a Nisayon. Because if God says do it, then for a man of faith like Avram Avinu, it should be the easiest thing imaginable to do. But what could happen? Whatever would happen would be what God wants to happen, and that's fine. But the Nisayon of Avram Avinu was, could he grow out of it? Could he reach a more profound understanding of his own situation? That's the Nisayon. Who is Avram Avinu? Is Avram Avinu the accidental choice of God? Because we needed somebody to represent monotheism and Avram Avinu was, was there? Was Avram Avinu a person with tremendous growth potential? Was able to assess the notions that he has and bring them to a higher level of understanding? Is that Avram Avinu? And so the Nosan says, the word Nisayon, as applied to Avram Avinu, means just that. I heard Rav Nachman of Ratzlav say this, Rush. we all have Nisayonot. We all are being tested. But, and when we are being tested, we have doubts. We wonder whether we do the right thing, whether we are on the right path. And if we didn't wonder, Rav Nosson says in the name of Rav Nachman, what sort of Nisayon would it be? Just to make life hard? Just to make things difficult for us? But it doesn't really matter anyway? That doesn't make any sense to Rav Nachman of Pratzlav. But the Nisoyo has to be a positive influence on us. God tests us because we have the capacity to grow through that test. And that's what Nisayon is. And just as Nisayon comes to great Sadiqim, to the righteous, to the others, to Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, according to Rav Nachman of Rosler, Nisayon comes to everybody. 
And passing the Nisayon is about, it's about seeing it clear. It's about dispelling the doubt, whatever doubt is left. Judge refining your faith and your expectation that a Kodesh Baruch will fulfill the promise. <coughs> and that's what he says, Ki and if a person had true faith, perfect faith, as they as they say, then what sort of nisayon would it be? Okay, it's it's hard. It's distractive. It's disturbing. But it's not a nisayon. Not a nisayon. I mean, can you imagine that God would say, "Go and." I wonder if he would say no. It's not possible. I mean, the only person, the only person who did that was Moshe Rabbeinu when he was arguing for Bnei Yisrael. And Moshe, and, and Rabbi Nachman the Bratzel said that the only reason that Moshe Rabbeinu could do that was because God appointed him to do that. He was the Sanegar Shoklau Yisrael. Like Rabbi Levi Yisrael Baditcher. If you have that job, you can do it. Even though it sounds like you're disagreeing with God. You're not. You're doing what God wants you to do. So God did not show Avram Avinu where he was going in order that there would be confusion. Nevertheless, Abraham Avinu would be able to learn from the experience. He would be able to grow. He would be able to move on. So that the Nisayon as Rav Nachman sees it, and as Rav Nosson explains it, it's educational. It's taking a wonderful kli, Avram Avinu, a unique vessel, and showing how much that vessel really contains. And that's what the Asarad Nisyonot, that's what the Asarad Nisyonot are. So there are two stories. And the stories are about uh, what Avram Avinu is supposed to learn. And he had a problem. When he left Eretz Yisrael, that promise that was mentioned by Rashi and the Rambam and the Rabbeinu Yonah and Pirkei Avot, V'nivrichu b'cha, that everybody will recognize that the blessings of heaven are bestowed upon them through you. So Avram Avinu, on his way to Egypt, looked at his wife, Sora, and he said, maybe it's different now. Maybe the promise of superiority over the nations only exists when we're in Eretz Yisrael. And maybe I made the wrong decision for leaving 
Eretz Kenan to fight off the famine and the Ra'av. Avram Avinu, Avram Avinu was in this state of Misupak and Mivulbal. He hadn't clarified for himself what it was exactly he was doing. So Rashi teaches us he maintained his pure faith and that was true at the end of the day. Avram Avinu trusted the promise of HaKadosh Baruch. But the Ramban teaches us that on the way to Mitzrayim Avram Avinu was still full of those aspects of confusion where even a person of great faith is not always certain what is happening. Why is it happening? And what can be derived? So he said to Sarah, we may have made a mistake. And that the dangers that are going to overcome us in Egypt should have been an indicator to us that we should have never left Eretz Israel. And Rashi says, Rashi says, that the true lesson of diaspora living for Kalal Yisrael forever and ever <coughs> would be that in spite of the fact that the diaspora is full of danger, diaspora living is full of danger for, for the Jewish people, this bitachon that was bequeathed to us from Avram Avinu as the result of resolving the doubt that he had, that bitachon has served us for the last 2,000 years and has determined who we are as a nation. And there's no doubt that as a nation, as a nation throughout history, uh, the greatest thing that we've ever done together is return to Eretz Israel. And even though <coughs> it may be true that this is not Kulash this is not, you know, the, the ultimate hope of Am Yisrael, nevertheless, it's an Am Yisrael enterprise. It's quite remarkable. It's quite remarkable. And we learned that all from Avram Avinu. HaKadosh Baruch said to Avram Avinu, you're not going to be able to understand what Eretz Yisrael is until you're forced to leave. And when you're forced to leave, you're not going to understand how great the dream is until you experience the danger of not living in Eretz Yisrael. So for Avram Avinu, as Rav Nassim taught us, there was confusion. And that confusion is represented ultimately by Rashi on the one hand and the Ramban on the other hand by the juxtaposition of the two stories by Hirad Ba'arat, that's one story and the story of Sora and uh, the king of, of Mitzrayim well that's, a, that's another story have a good show